Hello, my name is Dr. Carlos Correa Sanchez. I'm a professor at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever the time is that you're listening to this. This is the Culture Matters Podcast. My name is Chris Smith, and we are on episode 112. If you haven't subscribed to, to the podcast, the Culture Matters Podcast, you can do so right now, right? Go into iTunes and click the subscribe button. Today, we have a guest, and his name is Dr. Carlos Correa Sanchez. Dr. Carlos Correa Sanchez is professor at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, who he has researched and published on Mexican business culture. And that is exactly what we're going to talk about, how to do business in Mexico, not only in Mexico, but also in other Latin American countries. And this all from a Western or maybe North American perspective. Let's get right to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Good morning. Um, Dr. Carlos Correa Sanchez. That's correct. That's correct. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm good thank as well. Thank you for having me. Oh well, thank you. With all pleasure. No, it's um, I bumped across you and uh, we in the in the pre-chat before recording. I told told you that already, but let's fill in the audience as well. Um, I found you on on Amazon about a um, uh, with a title of a book that you've written. And the book is called Mexican Business Culture, Essays on Tradition, Ethics, Entrepreneurship, and Commerce, and the State. So that sort of triggered me because I have a, a personal interest in Latin America. And um, so I wrote to you, you wrote back, and here we are on episode 112 of the Culture Matters podcast. Now, I, I know you a little bit, but the audience doesn't know you at all. So could you do me a favor and tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you come from, where are you at this moment, and what would you consider your so-called cultural frame of reference? Well, I was born and raised in Mexico City mm-hmm. uh, until I, got, I was 28 years. Then I moved to the U.S., uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I was always working for private companies until I decided to go into education to get my PhD mm-hmm. in Latin American literature. I've been teaching for the last uh, 22 years, I think, in different American universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was teaching Spanish for Business, and one day I thought that I needed to learn uh, or to, to research. Mm-hmm on Mexican business culture to teach uh, my students. Right. Um, That's how I got involved in all this research and publishing about Mexican business culture. Mm -hmm. And and, and is there anything particular, I mean, why was there a particular need to to study that? I mean, you had your PhD, you speak the language, you speak English. What's the necessity then? 
Well, uh, as I said, I was teaching uh, Spanish for Business, mm -hmm. and I realized that since Mexico became the first business partner to the U.S., it was there was a need to understand Mexicans from the American perspective. Mm -hmm. So I went into researching books or articles about this topic, mm -hmm. and I came across many trade books. Okay. I couldn't find textbooks. The only thing I could find were trade books. And as I was reading these trade books, I realized uh -huh. that there was a lot of discrimination against Mexicans yeah. on these, uh, from these authors. Mm -hmm. So it was, I was appalled to see that many business schools were using these trade books to teach students Mexican business culture. Can you give us an example of how, how Mexicans were dis discriminated in, in these study books? Well, yeah, many of these books say that Mexicans are lazy, mm -hmm. really? that they don't work as hard as the Puritan Americans. Uh, they, they, they mentioned that in many, in, in many occasions, that Mexicans don't work as hard because they are Catholic. Uh -huh. uh, in, in, they don't work as hard as their counterpart in the U.S. And there are many other issues dealing with, with, with Mexican business culture that is just discrimination. And I realized that these books, instead of creating a bridge of understanding between, between the two cultures, they were creating a wider gap. And I, that's when I decided to start researching on my own, yeah. and write articles, and then finally write this book. Okay. So, and and to what extent? I mean, is are you are you showing a total different um, view then of Mexicans? Is that is that what the outcome is, or was that your purpose, or do you wanted did you wanted to want to set the record straight? Well, I wanted to set the record straight, and I understand that there are issues like corruption, for instance. Yeah. Uh, but the trade books treat corruption in Mexico as if it was the only country with corruption all over the world. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand that there is corruption also in the U.S., a lot of corruption. Mm -hmm. And they don't put into perspective what kind of corruption is going on in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So they just make it uh, look as it, it is the devil itself <laughs> in Mexico and where nothing can go on without corruption and giving money to people. Okay. And is there is there any way that you can pinpoint where corruption is different in Mexico in the United States? I mean, is, is it as on a large, on a similar scale? Uh, do, are the Americans more corrupt or the Mexicans more corrupt? Well, I wouldn't say that one country is more corrupt than the other. Uh -huh. uh, in Mexico, I'm sure you're aware that you can bribe uh, a, a policeman. Yeah. Uh, instead of getting a ticket for a traffic violation, you give the the, the police uh, I don't know some money. I don't know how much. Mm -hmm. You give something and, and and you just get away with that. Mm -hmm. Corruption in the states is about pol politicians, for instance, getting money from pharmaceutical companies for from the National Rifle Association right. to pass laws on behalf of these companies. So you would say that that the, if it would 
I be correct in saying that corruption in Mexico seems to be more direct and on lower levels and the corruption in the United States is more disguised this way? Yeah, it is more disguised in the U.S. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, so you, you, you did this, this because you actually you came across, well, you, one point you mentioned discrimination from, um, I guess, Anglo-Saxon written books about doing business in Mexico. What kind of students do you do come to you? Are they are those typical Americans? What kind of people are interested in in, in, the, in the stuff that you teach? Well, uh, there is a mix. There is a mix between uh, Americans, mm -hmm. uh, international students, and Latin American students. So there is a, a, a variety of students taking these classes. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wouldn't say that it's just Americans interested in, in learning this this topic. Uh, there are many Latin Americans who were born in the U.S. and have never experienced these mm. these kind these, these issues firsthand. Right. So they are learning in the classroom. Right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. The, the, can you? So you're talking about the the difference in in what other what are the the other biggest difference that you can that you can pinpoint between? I, I mean, I can I can come up, come up with them myself. I mean, Mexicans are more. Uh, collectivistic, I guess, than uh, than Americans. Uh, hierarchy tends to be higher, but I mean that's that's the theory. Can you elaborate on how that sort of uh, pans out in real life? Well, I, I can uh, I can mention one thing. For instance, in trade books, uh -huh. they say that Mexicans are more fatalistic than Americans. Okay, and that is one of the reasons they don't go up. On, on, on hierarchy in certain companies because they just say, well, what is going to happen is going to happen and that is God's desire for me not to do this, not to do that. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that Americans are very fatalistic as well. They are just saying that Mexicans are like that because they, they just give everything to God right. and they don't try to overcome obstacles in their lives. Mm -hmm. And Actual Mexico is not like that. Okay. Okay. So how how is how is it different then, and how are the Americans fatalistic? Well, there are a lot of uh, minorities that also depend on, on what God has for them in uh, uh, for the future, uh -huh. and, and you, you can see poor people who just are waiting to see what happens by the. Through the hands of God, mm -hmm. you see minorities like African Americans, uh, Asian Americans, and other poor people. Mm -hmm. True, 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 true. Yeah, is if you you mentioned in the in the beginning as well, not only Mexico but also other Latin cultures. How similar are are the the Latin American culture? I mean, there's a huge cultural differences when cultural difference when you cross the border between the United States and Mexico, um, and then. Uh, Basically, I mean, all the way from Mexico to Punta Arenas, everybody speaks Spanish. I mean, with an exception of the indigenous languages, of course. But to one extent, are are these Latin cultures similar or different as well? Of course. Well, many many countries are very they are very similar, mm -hmm. but we're not we're twenty one countries, Spanish speaking countries in Latin America. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there are differences. There are cultural differences from one to another. And, uh, I don't know, food, dance, uh, 
the way they carry out politics. Uh, there is no, no one country that resembles another country exactly. So every single country is going to have different traits or characteristics. And mm -hmm. um, one of the things that American companies have done for a long time is go to to Mexico first. When they want to introduce a, a product in Latin America, they go to Mexico first. Yeah. Um, and then from then, from there, they get a, a taste of what it's going to be like mm -hmm. to introduce that product further down the, uh, the, the, the continent, mm -hmm. but knowingly that there are differences between one country and another, between Mexico and Central America, for instance, even though Central Americans eat tortillas as Mexicans, <laughs> well, there are many other differences going on in, in, in their respective countries. Right. Yes, I, I, I was I was there. I was in Guatemala for the whole month of December in uh, in 2018, and um, I like spicy food. And I, when I would eat food, I would eat a lot of well, well chilies and spice with that. And they would call me the Mexican because <laughs> the Mexican like the Mexicans are the Mexicans. I don't know if they exist. Like <laughs> like spicy food, and the Guatemaltecas they they eat less spicy food, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Even though, and that's that's something that I've experienced as well. I have a few. Um, Spanish-speaking friends around here where I live, where um, and there's one friend and he's from from Uruguay, and uh, he he speaks with a show 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 instead of yo yo yo, and yeah. sometimes I have a, a hard time in understanding what he says. And then there's another guy that I know, and he is from the south, the most southern state uh, in Mexico, and his Spanish is a lot clearer for me because I'm much more used to the uh, the Guatemalteca ac accent of, of yeah. Spanish. Is that that's, uh, well, does that, that make sense? Yeah, that is one of the, the, the main differences in, in, in terms of linguistic issues. Uh -huh. I mean, Uruguay and Argentina are going to be using the yo, yo, yo all the time. And sometimes it's hard to understand what they are saying. And, and, and yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. In Chiapas, for instance, in Mexico, they speak a very clear Spanish. Uh-huh. It's very understandable. It's very easy to understand. Yes. Yeah. Just to make sure for the audience to know that what we're talking about, the, the word yo is spelled Y-O, which means me or I. Um, and so we're talking about pronunciation of the, the, the word I, for those that don't speak any Spanish, um, yeah. actually. So is there, I mean, it's, it's, I know from, from following the news a little bit in, um, uh, from what was going on in, in Guatemala that their, their president, Jimmy Morales, is, uh, is supposed to be corrupt as well. And recently in the news, there came, there were stories about, you know, what's going on in the United States at this moment. Uh, I think it's New York where, um, the famous El Chapo is being, uh, uh, put to trial. Um, and actually having bribed two presidents as well. I mean, that's very similar, isn't it? It is. It is. It is very similar. And it is very frustrating to see uh, how all this drug dealing and drug trafficking is damaging society so much. Mm -hmm. uh, I honestly wasn't surprised to to hear that Chapo Guzman uh -huh. gave Peña Nieto a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Because it's been a rumor for forever. So I was I wasn't surprised. I personally wasn't surprised, but it's still a little shocking 
to see that something like that is going on in, in, in a very in a very nice country where people are always fighting to survive and, and doing the best they can do and there are wonderful people down there and they are just being judged by people in other countries just by Chapo Guzman or for other people who are doing bad things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the things, I mean, it's, I don't know if there's an official uh, warning from, from several go governments to not go to Mexico on a holiday, for instance, or business, only if you must, because of the danger, the levels of danger. They keep telling me that in Guatemala as well. They keep telling me that in Mexico as well. I didn't experience any issue of, of safety. Now, maybe I was just lucky, or, and this is, this is my question, could it be that, um, uh, maybe Mexicans as well, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Everybody says that everybody is dangerous, so everybody stays inside and nobody gets on the street, and hence only the crooks are in the streets. Is that does that make any sense? What I'm what I'm thinking? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I was in Mexico last year mm -hmm. in, during the summer with my wife and one of my kids, and mm -hmm. uh, we were traveling and going places in Mexico City. You know. Mm -hmm. 22 million people in Mexico City, and we still felt very safe. Yeah. We went to downtown, to the Zocalo, to visit uh, different places, mm -hmm. and then we traveled to Guadalajara, mm -hmm. and we felt safe as well. And I understand that there is violence going on in the country, but I think sometimes uh, the state news in, in the State Department in, in the U.S. kind of exaggerates a little bit yeah. of what's going on in the country. Yeah. So according to you, I mean, coming from Mexico yourself, having lived uh, numerous years in the United States, um, what is the, or what are the three things, or what is the best thing that the Mexicans can do to improve their image? Well, uh, with a new president, Andres <laughs> Manuel Lopez Obrador, See? I think they can start eradicating Things like bribery, mm -hmm. corruption, and being late. Mm -hmm. I think Americans appreciate very much uh, when someone is punctual, when someone is on time. Yeah. But is, is that, is, 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 isn't that like wishful thinking? I mean, uh, suppressing corruption, I mean, as long as the United States, the biggest, the biggest consumer of cocaine, for instance, as long as they don't cut down on, on consumption, you know, there's, it's still a lucrative market, I guess. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It has to be both ways. I think Americans have to cut down on, on using drugs. Uh -huh. So the market uh, suffers, it crumbles down, mm -hmm. and, and Mexico doesn't have to sell anymore. But it's, yeah, you're right. I think it's both ways. Americans have to stop consuming so much. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier said than done, I guess. It's uh, in your yeah. in your classes um, at the university. What what are the, the the tricks? What are the things that you you tell Americans to do or not to do uh, to improve their their chances of doing successful business in Mexico? Well, uh, I tell them, for instance, to learn about basic stuff. If they are going to do business in Mexico. They have to learn, for instance, that Cinco de Mayo is not the same as Independence Day, uh -huh. right? Yeah. So don't, they don't go down there and insult people believing that Cinco de Mayo is Independence Day. It's something different. They, they have to learn. Tell us what it is, please, then. 
I'm sorry. Tell us what it is. Tell us what what Cinco the fifth of May, the Cinco de Mayo, what that means. Cinco de Mayo is the Battle of Puebla, uh -huh. when the Mexican army defeated uh, the French army in 1862. Okay. When Napoleon sent his troops to Mexico to invade the country, mm -hmm. so the Mexican army defeated the powerful French army, uh -huh. uh, and they stopped him from taking over. Okay. So, uh, that's one of the things I, I, I recommend for students to learn. I recommend that they learn at least the names of, of two or three presidents in Mexico, mm -hmm. the names of some heroes like Emiliano Zapata, mm -hmm. uh, Miguel Hidalgo, heroes from the independence revolution, uh, names of good writers like Octavio Paz, Carlos Fuentes. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have to learn about the culture in general and not just got to, to speak to someone in Spanish. Okay. Yeah. Makes, makes good sense as well. In, in the many South American countries or Latin American countries, uh, um, Simon Bolivar is a hero as well. To what extent is he a hero in Mexico? Simon Bolivar? See. Si. Yeah. Simon Bolivar is uh, well recognized in Mexico as the Latin American Libertador. <laughs> the Liberator, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, he's very well respected, yeah. And uh, actually, I had a class last night where one of the presentations was about Simon Bolivar, and uh, to my surprise, the other students didn't know who he was. Okay. So, yeah, it's very important to learn about Simon Bolivar as well. Mm. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about him, if you if you can, please? Well, Simón Bolívar was an, an, an aristocrat. Uh -huh. He was born in Venezuela. Uh, he got his education in Spain, and then he fought uh, against the, the, the colonial system in Latin America, what used to be La Gran Colombia. Mm -hmm. uh, he fought for the Gran Colombia to for its independence, mm -hmm. and then after that, many other countries uh, from the Gran Colombia became independent, such as Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, etc. Uh -huh. So that's why he's recognized as the Libertador de America. Okay, the liberator of the colonial powers, mainly this, the Spanish, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, um, is there anything, um, are you also, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an obvious question, I guess. You're following the news and what's happening in Venezuela as well. Yeah. Are there any 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 predictions from your side how this is going to go? I mean, we're, we are recording this on January 25, 2019. So if you're listening to this in the future, of course things have changed. Um, but what's the what's the your your take on this? How is this going to to well end or continue? Well, uh, I personally don't think that Maduro can stay in power. Mm -hmm. I think they, he's going to step down. Uh, I think it was a very bad decision by Donald Trump to cut, cut off communication with Venezuela mm -hmm. because we don't have, now America, <clears throat> uh, Americans don't have anyone in the country to be making sure that things go the right way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And many other countries are cutting ties with Venezuela, so who is going to be making sure things are going fine? Yeah. 
is there is there any chance um, because I heard some people in Guatemala talk about this there seems to be a fear uh, a fear that that uh, any socialist governments like um, Hugo Chavez and like uh, Nicolas Maduro can actually overtake other gov uh, governments in other Latin American countries as well is that a sustained fear or do you think that's it's it's not going to go that way I think it's going that way uh, the I don't, I personally don't consider Maduro to be a socialist. I consider Chavez to be a socialist. Maduro was just a puppet. Right. He, he, he didn't have anything socialist in, in his agenda. Right. Uh, right. But you see Bolivia, they have a socialist government. Mm -hmm. uh, Uruguay has a socialist government. Mexico now has a socialist government. But they are not following on the footsteps of someone like Maduro. Right. Okay. So, I mean, in other words, what you're saying, I mean, even though you might have a socialist government, that doesn't mean uh, the country uh, economically will will plummet. Oh no, no, I don't think so. I think it's going to be more uh, democrat socialism than anything else. Is that a lesson that the Americans could learn something from? I think so. I I, I think they can learn. Uh, well, in 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 America, we have. Bernie Sanders, who is a, oh. a, a huge proponent of socialism. Mm -hmm. And now we have Ocasio-Cortez from New York, who is a, a very vocal about socialism and some of these ideas. So I think Americans can learn from what's going on in, in Latin America. I think a lot of listeners are going like, right. Uh, I mean, because <laughs> for the, the reason being is that, that the word socialism is has a very negative connotation, I think, in the United States. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it, because I think it comes from the association of the Cold War being associated with the communists. So if you're a socialist, that equals you're a communist as well. Yeah, yeah. The, and unfortunately, not too many people know what socialism is all yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just think it's, it has something to do with communism, the, the, the old Soviet Union. Yeah. No, 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 true, true, true. No. But we're not, let, let's not go there. Otherwise, it becomes a total uh, a political discussion. And I just wanted to uh, get some information and, and pick your brain a little bit about uh, doing business in, in Mexico and Latin America in general. Yeah. What is, according to you, one of, the, one of the last questions I'd like to ask you, because I've taken up some time from you already. Um, what are what What Latin American country is the easiest to do business with for Americans? Oh, my God, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, I guess there is a reason why uh, America, the the U.S. and Mexico are the largest partners mm -hmm. in, in the continent. And there is a reason why they have NAFTA. Yeah. I think yeah. it's it's the easiest for for American companies to do business with Mexico than any other country. So although I'm not saying that it, it is the only one, but I think it's easier for them to do business out the border than with many other countries in the area. Okay, all right. Okay, good to know then. Um, my final question, uh, no, two questions left. One question I, uh, I prepped you for in the beginning of the, uh, of the, or right before the interview. Can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent, please? Uh, read, read and read. Don't be afraid to ask about other countries. Um, don't believe in stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Stereotypes are dangerous. Okay. That's a, I read, read, read. Those are three. Ask and don't be afraid in stereotypes. Actually gave us um, five tips. Um, <laughs> 
That's that's nice though. That's cool. Thank you. And last and final question: How can people get in touch with you if they want to? Well, they can always uh, get in touch with me through LinkedIn mm-hmm. or my personal email. Yeah, which is uh, it is c a r c o r i at yahoo.com. At yahoo.com. Okay, that'll be in the show notes as well. Episode 112. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Carlos Correa um, Sanchez, for taking the time out of your um, your no doubt busy schedule. There's one question we missed, and I don't know you. I don't know where you are. Are you in North Carolina? Yes, that's right. Okay, we, 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 North missed, Carolina. we missed the answer to that one. All right, great. Thank you so much, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch in the future. Okay, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Carlos, again for elaborating on how to do business in Mexico and beyond um, Guatemala as well and other parts of Latin America. This is the end of the podcast number 112. Uh, again, if you haven't subscribed, you can do so. Please do that in iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you get your podcast. And while you're there, why don't you give me a rating? And a five-star rating, of course, is preferred because the more stars, the more people can actually listen to this podcast. The music was done by Ben Sound. You can check that out at bensound.com. My name is Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters Podcast, and I'll be back in two weeks' time. Take care. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.